Welcome to Reception Insider. My name is Kathy Back and I'm the Tasmanian State Faculty Manager of the RACGP. And I'm Ann Davis, New South Wales and ACT Faculty Manager. Our topic for discussion today is how to communicate effectively with people of different ages and different generations. And it's interesting because this has actually been a requested podcast. We've had a GP request us to do this. What do you think, Kathy? I think it's a great topic, Anne. I think sometimes we forget that communication is not a one-size-fits-all process. And the way an 80-year-old might like to be addressed is probably quite different to the way an 18-year-old would prefer to be communicating with us. So I guess the main aim of communication is to be able to share information and have it be heard. So if the language you're using is making the patient feel uncomfortable, then communication will not be effective and may actually cause offence. You're right about that, how we're communicating, what the words are, in that sometimes the words that we can use with a younger person might be a little bit more jolly or hip or abbreviated, whereas an older person or sorry, a, a different generation <laughs> may, you know, not actually understand what the acronym is. And I think it is a touch point with our patients where really things can go wrong if the communication is not done thoughtfully. It reminds me of a lady of a probably a baby boomer or what's the generation before them, Kathy? Oh, the traditionalist. And she was speaking at reception and everything was going fine. And then the receptionist used a shortened acronym that the lady didn't understand. And she actually was visibly quite, I won't say upset, but very uncomfortable because she didn't know where this conversation was going. Receptionist didn't mean anything by it, but, you know, it did rattle the older lady a little bit can so easily do so. And, you know, I think if in doubt, it's better to always be a little bit more formal than casual with people of a Mm. different generation to your own. Mm. It means, I think, that you should use the person's full name, for example, Mrs. Jones or Mrs. Smith, and they'll let you know pretty quickly if they'd prefer you to call them by their first name. Some people absolutely loathe being in a doctor's surgery and having someone say, Oh, Joan, you're in now. (laughs) And when they're used to being Mrs. Jones or, you know, often people prefer the formality. Mm. Another example of this is my father's name on his Medicare card is Maxwell Bryan. However, he's always been known as Bryan. He's never been called Maxwell. And there's a very funny story associated to how he became to be called Maxwell. But calling him Maxwell now confuses him because he's developing dementia. And so if you call him Mr. Whitten, he will respond to that straight away. And if he's happy and comfortable, he'll say to the person, please just call me Brian. But he doesn't respond to Maxwell at all. And yet that's on his Medicare card in a recent hospital admission where he was very confused. It became a really big issue. So I think making sure that you're speaking to the person respectfully and in a way that they feel comfortable with is just so important. I think you're right, being respectful and polite at all times. And of course, if you make a mistake, then, you know, apologising immediately. And that can be of any generation too. Just as an aside, my nephew, I like him to call me Auntie Anne, but my husband doesn't want to be Uncle David. So Hmm? it's Auntie Anne and David. So, And that's just what suits that particular relationship. 
Correct, correct. I remember as a little girl, we had to call all my mother's friends, auntie so-and-so. And nowadays that would never happen. So it's just a different way of communicating along generations as we change, you know, and evolve. So I think the key of the issue is, if in doubt, either be more formal than you would normally be, and then they'll ask you to be less formally if required, and also ask the patient themselves how they would like to be addressed. And, you know, I think you can never go wrong if you ask someone how they would like to be addressed. So just to close off with the this communicating across generations, I think there are some other things that we do need to think about in that with someone that is in an older generation, the other forms of communication, like if we need them to sign a form, being a bit directive and putting your finger where the signature is required, maybe passing them the pen, you know, COVID limitations, but passing the pen so they don't have to fumble around and find Mm. it. And then also just being aware that we've got lots of perspectives screens now and that's going to impact on their hearing. I know, I mean, and I'm a baby boomer, but I do find in some situations that I do actually have trouble hearing when there's lots of other noise or one or a mask on my face or a screen in front of me. So I think just those extra things um, we need to think about as well. Absolutely correct. And I think we're certainly in a time where communication for a lot of people is more difficult than it ever has been with all the additions of masks and screens. And, you know, I think that certainly does make things more difficult, particularly for older people who may be a little bit more easily confused if things aren't very clear for them as well. So I think in all cases, just consider the patient in front of you. If they're older, be more formal. And, you know, if in doubt, ask the patient how they'd like to be addressed. Thank you, Cathy. And to all our receptionists, keep doing what you do. Thank you so much.